Duke's mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are radio for the local craft beer movement, broadcasting from Wrecking Bar Brew Pub in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Aaron Williams. And I'm Tim Dennis. We got Brian Hewitt in the house with us, in the pub with us as I well. I am in the pub. How you doing, Brian? I am doing well. Good, good. So on this episode of Beer Guys Radio, we are talking to one of the best brew pubs in America. We are at Atlanta's Wrecking Bar with owner and brewmaster Emeritus Right? That's right. Right. Yeah. Bob Sandage. Uh, plus, Aaron is fresh back from his trip to the Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville, and he'll give us a full report on yes. that. Yes. Lots of things going on at the Craft Beer Conference. A lot of it involved beer, amazingly enough. That's, no I wouldn't way. have guessed that. Shocking. Yeah. I know. That's exactly <laughs> If I'd it. known that. <laughs> I would have had that. So, Excellent. Well, cool. Let's, uh, this week, you know, like I said, I mean, I was at uh, CBC pretty much all week long and uh, was able to go to Nashville, enjoy a lot of beers there, went to, uh, uh, went to Southern Grist, uh, went to Tennessee Brew Works, went to Fat Bottom, uh, checked out some of the beers they've got there. So the Nashville scene is, is growing. Um, they what make, it sounds like. You yeah. know, they've got a lot of beers there, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, advancing the stuff. They've got hazy IPAs. They've got some sours there. They're really kind of working and making a lot of different brews out there. So I was impressed by the quality of Nashville. Did you make it to beer to Iris? Uh, I did not, actually, okay. but I did right. bring some back. So cool. going to test some of that out. But, uh, but yeah, it's, but the funny thing is about Nashville is that there is construction everywhere. It, it seems like it's Atlanta five years ago. Where just everything is growing. Everything's under construction. It's crazy. Which means exactly. in five years, the construction will still be going on. <laughs> well, that's there. probably so true. That's exactly. Just and so traffic. Man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just yeah. getting bad. What about you guys? Well, so we continued our tour of Georgia breweries. We went up to Printer's L or over to Printer's L, I guess, kind of west of Atlanta, yep. towards Alabama for their one-year anniversary. I had some tasty beers there. We had uh, a couple gozes, a couple fruited gozes they did that were really nice. And we got to sample their artifact, uh, Barrel Aid Stout, which was their first uh, bottle offering there. And that was phenomenal. That mm-hmm. was really good. So I got a bottle. I meant to bring it tonight, but I didn't. So we're not going to drink that. Okay. So fortunately, we have Wrecking Bar I was going to say, we'll, we'll just settle for Wrecking Bar beers. That's terrible. Oh, you're right. Good yes. stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> then stopped by Scofflaw, uh, hung out with those guys, tried a few beers, and I had uh, Monday nights. Uh, don't call it Hot Lanta. Don't call it Hot Which Atlanta. was a hot topic on Reddit. I noticed there. that. So, yes. Several hundred threads, uh, apparently, from yeah, that thing. Yeah, that was so, popular. You know, exactly. Good talk Yeah, there. Brian, what about you? So, I, I also did the Printer's Ale thing. That was really nice. They uh, they also had an ESB there that I enjoyed drinking, but those those uh, Gozas were, uh, were pretty top-notch, the fruited ones. I also made a uh, little side trip myself to Eventide and checked out their Grand Park Sour. That was very nice. And had to, of course, have the uh, dry Irish stout while I was there. And... Well, of course, I had the A and then Pale Ale. Basically, everything that was on special that Monday night because they have a bunch of special beers, so I drank all of them. You know, Printers had that, uh, was it Rottweisen? 
Oh yeah, Rockson. Yeah, Rock. You know yeah. that style, Bob? It's a uh, a red heft, basically. Is okay. What it worked huh. out to be. So it was a uh, very malty, bready banana banana bread yeah. in a glass, almost. Nice. So okay. Nice. It was tasty. Not something I'd set around and pound all day, but interesting change, and it seemed to be well done. I don't know the style, so I don't know that much about it, but I enjoyed the one they had. So. That was pretty nice. Very interesting, interesting style. Huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. We'll go ahead and uh, check out this week's Truck and Taps Beers of the Week. Crack open a cold one. It's the Truck and Tap Beer of the Week. Woo-hoo! Craft beer and food trucks in downtown Woodstock. Truckandtap.com. All right, Tim, what do we got? We have a few good ones, mostly Wrecking Bar. We're going to do all Wrecking Bar, but Brian brought one he wanted to share with us. Brian, what you got here? So this is the uh, the collaboration between Vian Steffener and uh, Sierra Nevada that we talked about in the news a little while ago. It's Brow Pact, so it's a Hefeweiss beer, but uh, it's definitely got uh, Sierra Nevada stink on it, as I'm, as I'm saying, so expect okay. it to, to have a little bit of hoppiness to it. Yeah, you can't, have, you can't have Sierra hoppy. Nevada beer without a lot of hoppiness, yeah. so that's right. Then we're going to go some, through some of the Wrecking Bar beers, and I am currently drinking one of their newer releases. Newest? Newer, Bob? Yeah, I think this is the newest IPA. This is the um, Where Have All the Cloud Boys Gone? Right. Mm-hmm. Did you come up with that name? Is that, is that your name? No, that's a, that's a Neil creation. Okay, gotcha. So, well, it's tasty. Very good. Thanks. It's got that haziness to it that's so popular with the kids it's these days. what the kids love these days. Yes. That's what they ask I for. I taste really. nothing but haze in it. I know. And it's we'll amazing. see what comes after that, but it's uh, going to be wrecking bar goodness. Definitely. Excited to hear that. Let's check out uh, this week's headlines. What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. Right, there are a lot of headlines, Brian. Go for it. There are. I don't know how we're going to get to all of them. But you going to speed dating style there? Uh, the, <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> idea. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so we have an update on last week's New Realm news. Atlanta's New Realm Brewing is opening a brewery and tap room in the 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 former Green Flash facility in, uh, was it Virginia Beach, Virginia? Is that right? I believe yep. that's it. Yes. Correct. Yep. And uh, as you recall, they bought all the, uh, the brewing equipment at auction because, well, that's a deal that's too good to pass up. It was probably about... $4 million for about $20 million worth of goods, and it turns out that uh, the facility itself was too good a deal to pass up, and they've got some sort of a, uh, a collaboration with a local interest to uh, square away that leasing, so they're right. opening that facility. And that news came out just like right after we recorded last week's show. Seriously, yeah. Uh, I think late Friday. Is no, literally, like late it, Friday so, night, yeah. So. Uh, that's why we're updating now. Just missed getting that update last week. So anyway, yeah, 40,000 barrels annually. It's going to have a tasting room and a bunch of beers on tap, a beer garden, and private event space. So pretty much kind of what you would expect. So that's what you can look forward to if you go up there and visit. We have some surprising uh, big beer news. Molson Coors has reported a big drop in beer sales. The company's sales were down in all of its major markets, about 6% in the last quarter. And uh, their stock it fell about 13% on the news, and it's down 25% overall this year. So apparently they didn't ship enough of their beer to wholesalers and distributors in a season that should have been good for them because of all the NFL playoffs, uh, the Super Bowl, and all that sort of thing. So they're... They, they're blaming the weather, <laughs> believe it or I not. I saw that, too. All I was right. like, okay. <laughs> I could see a brew pub saying the weather effect, and maybe people don't want to come out and come to the brew pub. No, yeah, we, don't, but, we don't say that. But you, you don't use no, that. No. See, even a brew pub won't use that excuse. Exactly. So it's the weather. I'm surprised they didn't blame like spirits and wine the way AB InBev does. Spirits, because that's kind wine, of their and hard yeah. seltzers, right? Exactly. And hard seltzers, right. yes, indeed. I blame magnets. Mag- yes, How probably magnets. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Distrib- uh, dis- yes, exactly. <laughs> they impacted the weather. That's true. That's how it so, works. And exactly. my speech, apparently. So friends of the show, Nappy Roots, are collaborating on two new beers, and they're developing a craft beer and travel reality show. So that's a lot. Uh, yeah. 
Their upcoming collaborations are Watermelon Chicken and Grits with Against the Grain Brewery in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a gold nail with watermelon. And also the Humdinger with uh, Monday Night Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, of course. And that's releasing on May 18th. That's an Imperial Rye Stout in Kentucky bourbon barrels with Ugandan vanilla beans. And uh, the name of the travel show that they're working on is 40 Acres in a Brew. So they do a lot of touring, do visit a lot of breweries. So I think that's going to be a good watch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I talked to them a little bit about it, and they're just saying, we go out to these breweries anyhow, or visit them. They're passionate about beer, as you know, Brian. Oh, yeah. Brewing down there at Atlantucky Brewing. So Constantly. They yeah. want to turn it into a program. Yeah, that that's sense. that's going to be cool. You know, and it's funny because you said that before. A lot of people who are quote unquote famous kind of are are they say they're into beer, but they're really not into craft beer. These guys are into craft beer. Well, that's not mess around. I but. was talking to Scales about the collaboration beers, and you know, mentioned I know that there's some collaborations that they do that it's just the name on there. You know, the the artist never shows up. Yes. It's just their name being put on there. And Scales, he didn't care for that. He's like, we brew. Not only are they involved, but they are brewing. You know, they're on. Yeah. The, they're there on the mass. They're raking so. spent grain. And they're like for real, man. Yeah, they, exactly. they enjoy beer. They enjoy brewing. Good sure for, enough. Good that. Good for it. All right. So a fun story. I like things like this. A 220 year old ale from a shipwreck has been brought back to life in Australia. The resurrected beer is called the Wreck Preservation Ale. The contents of the beer were recovered from obviously a shipwreck, and when it was examined with the help of the Australian Wine Research Institute. They isolated a yeast in the beer that was a rare hybrid strain that's different than modern ale strains, so they made a beer with the yeast, like you do. I love it. The beer is being launched at the great uh, Australian Beer uh, Spectacular in Melbourne and Sydney, and will be on tap in the country starting in June for people who go down there. I just thought it was neat. I know... We've no, I'm still good, but yeah, I think we should probably absolutely. just fly down there for for a taste. I believe, yeah, we that should. That's, that's and the beer proceeds, part of them, go to uh, support further research into that actual wreck and all of the. They're just looking for more beer. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're looking for more. Exactly. All right. Well, it's time to go ahead and take a break right now. You listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show. BeerGuysRadio.com is our website. We'll be back talking to Bob Sanders from Wrecking Bar Brew Pub in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be back right after this. There's a lot of great stuff coming out of the Woodlands, and if you'd like to get your hands on the super limited releases, you should join the Woodlands Circle Beer Club. Your membership will get you six unique and different beers from the Woodlands, awesome Woodlands Circle Stemware, a $25 beer tab, and some other cool perks during your time as a member. Series 2 will start this summer and feature more great wild ales and barrel-aged dark beers. Get yours now for just $149. Find out more and join now at sweetwaterbrew.com club. That's sweetwaterbrew.com club. Darren and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock and Alpharetta are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Aaron. See, they've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, well, that's when it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks daily, so that way you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and coming soon to Duluth in 2018. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. And welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are at Wrecking Bar Brew Pub in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have Bob Sandage here with us. We're going to talk beer. 
brew pubs, yeah. farms, all kinds of good stuff. Bob, thanks Sounds again good. for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thanks again for the beer, too. We're, we're drinking uh, Where Have All the Cloud Boys Gone? That's right. Which I remember I, I, that song. Long where time have passing. Where all the cloud boys gone? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You can never, ever do that again, please. <laughs> that was Aaron. Aaron. I want to point that <laughs> out. Yeah. Excellent. No, tasty beer. Horrible singing, tasty beer. Thank good you. stuff. So it's been a it's been a couple years, Bob, since we, we talked. Yeah, it is. So it lots is, yeah. changed in Georgia and uh, with Wrecking Bar. So what's new? What's the latest and greatest? What's new? Um, I mean, since we last talked, it's September, of, kinds of, of, September stuff, of last right? year. You know, all kinds of crazy yeah. things happened with the laws in Georgia where now breweries and brew pubs can sell beer to go. Opening we some doors. Join right. the rest of the country. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're going to start a little backwards from Wrecking Bar Brew Pub. Something we, we've brushed on before but haven't talked about a lot is a Wrecking Barn Farm that sure, you have. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, out in Loganville. Right. You, you grow stuff there. It's a farm. You grow. And I know at one time talking about brewery there and stuff, yeah we, so. we, we came out of the gate pretty quickly you know uh, we got the zoning approval to have a brewery out there and uh you know not that it was part of our business model our business plan but you know with the laws in georgia still a lot of cool things have changed in the last uh, last year or two but brew pub owners still can't have ownership in a brewery and vice versa so that's still something that's a little problematic you know and we were looking at uh, doing a brewery out there and i think the more we look at it a brew pub makes more sense because mm-hmm. obviously Stevenson and myself would not have to give up ownership in one or the other, and that's a uh, you know. And you can you, still you, do. You, we're, now. we're sitting here at the Wrecking Bar Brew Pub, and we we both love what this is and what it's done for Atlanta beer, and would hate to say, well, one of us has to walk away from that. Sure. You know, yeah. so but I think I think you know Loganville's getting close to being ready for uh, a, a brew pub experience. You know, maybe not a seven day a week to start off with. We'd probably start yeah. off a little conservative, okay. but uh, well, we've talked to a lot of people out there that really want that. For it. Yeah, and you've done some special events out there and, and such, right? Dinners yeah. and things. Yeah, at we the have uh, usually have two two dinners out there a year. We're having one later this month on the twenty seventh. I think it's the Sunday before Memorial Day. I was going to say that's and a birthday event for uh, yeah, for a couple of people. Yeah, for Terry yeah. and Joel, okay. and uh, that one's that one's an amazing event. There's four or five different food places and cocktail places, and you can go just just kind of just mingle, hop around to different places within the barn or out in the farm. So, yeah. but yeah, the. the Brewery stuff is, you know, it's still it's still very much on our mind. We're just trying to, you know, get the the right ideas as far as, you know, the true farm to table brew pub experience that works for Loganville. You know, it's funny because again, as as a next door neighbor to you live in Lawrenceville, uh, I can say we've been ready for about three or four years to to get right. that kind of experience. So so please come <laughs> and open <laughs> that up. We'll be all set. No no seriously though, Bob. Um, you know, uh, uh, farm to table. Really good food, you know. I was I was right. I was at the CBC uh, this week, the Craft Beers Convention uh, Conference, and one of the things that the Brewers Association is really talking about is pairing food with beer, kind of upping the, the the level of perception of beer uh, with the food and culinary crowd. Right. How important is that? I mean, you serve some absolutely fantastic food here, but how important is that to kind of have that craft beer and that farm to table experience as opposed to you know the old school? Back when we were in college, you know, the cheap fries, hot dogs, whatever. and, and I, I think and it's, it's hugely important. You know, back 15, 20 years ago, it was just it was all light lagers, you mm-hmm. know, or something. You know, craft it was, beer it was pizza was, was, and macro lager, basically. not where yeah. it's at right now. Yeah. And now, you know, and, and as such, you, you had, you know, wines or cocktails that you would match with certain certain foods. And now there's this whole plethora of beers. It's not like they, they were just invented in the last 10 years. Some, some like the cloudy IPAs right, were, but exactly. uh, a lot of the beers have been around for a long time. But now that you know, people are starting to drink more craft beer, they're starting to say, wow, I can, I can have a Hefe Bison with this, with this dish, and that would simulate me having a Sauvignon Blanc with a, or something. Mm-hmm. And we're I, seeing you know, a lot more beers that are becoming 
there's a uh, blending there. There's kind of crossing yeah. beer and wine, and that uh, Reformation in Woodstock just released the rose beer, you know, right. called Alani, uh, going for that. I know talking to Peter Kiley at Monday Night Brewing, he talked about the winification of beer, uh, aging lighter beers in wine barrels, bringing some of that character in there. So there's, oh. so there is a lot of stuff that can be done yeah. for those that that blanket say I don't like beer. The flavor profile is tremendous in beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, and I've also seen, yeah, the one new trend that I've seen over the past really month or a couple of months or so is doing IPAs but using brute, uh, you know, champagne yeast for that as well to kind of give that really dry character. So a lot right. of folks are, are really kind of throwing everything in the in the hopper to see what see what happens. Yeah, I think yeah. one of our my, my favorite wood aged beers we've done here is our Siberius Maximus of Russian Imperial that was aged in a bourbon barrel first, but that's finished for a couple months in a in a wine barrel, after, mm. a red wine barrel after that. And it was right. oh, that's just decadent. the complexity it added was was amazing. Sure, and that's I've had a couple wine barrel styles. They're fantastic. That that those flavors pair well together. Right, you can drink a nice red wine and, and eat some you know dark chocolate with it. You get a lot of the similar right. flavors in that style. Yeah, that pair really well together. So get yeah. you a wine barrel aged stout and some chocolate. It's just you're good to go. Magic, right? There you go. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, and so um so now a little bit back on your history of Wrecking Bar. Of course, you guys have been here a while. When you founded this place, did you want to be a restaurant first, or did you want to be a brew- brewery first? I mean, what was kind of the chicken or the egg type of thing? That's a, that's a good question. I'd, they were pretty close to being equal. I'd okay. say probably a little more towards the, the food side, because I think uh, I'd been to so many brew pubs that just served, you know, the just, just stick a frozen pizza in the oven kind of thing, you know, and... and that wasn't what we wanted to do. We wanted to do something that was, you know, truly complemented the beer, and mm-hmm. so that was actually the hardest thing here is getting the food, the food right. You know, it took us, it took us a couple of years. I, we started very conservative, and I wouldn't say our food was was bad. It just wasn't the inspiration wasn't there like it was in the beer side, and it took a while to catch up. But I feel like we're kind of clicking on on all cylinders now. Well, you're good enough for diners, drive-ins, and dives, so it's obviously good <laughs> yeah, guy stuff, loved right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just adds donkey sauce to it, and he's all set to go. That's, that's right. Welcome to Flavortown. That's right. So, Do you have it. Mofongo on the recipe? On the, on the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but it's funny, though, because we talk about that. I mean, I mean, for those who don't know, the, the city of Atlanta is, is a great, a fantastic food town. It, it's really one of the best food towns in the, in the, in this, in the United States, if uh, you it haven't really been here. So uh, I would think that the, the battle to kind of be known in those circles would be quite difficult uh, to make sure that you keep, keep those standards up. But now, of course, the beer scene in Atlanta has really risen as well. So you're kind of fighting it on both ends. You make sure that you're really kind of being on point for, with both of your programs. That's right. Every day, every week, every month, we're, you know, our, our culinary team and, and brew team, we're, we're striving to get beers that, you know, and some of the stuff is maybe trendy, you mm-hmm. know, but you have to do some of that. But I think, you know, we uh, try to have enough offerings in both the beer and the food and spirits and, and wines, all that, that really you know, anybody can enjoy that comes in the door. Yeah, and you've had, I know, uh, Breaking Bob Kolsch right. has been around for a while, you know, long time, stay, as long as I can remember coming mm-hmm. here, it's been on. And uh, we're seeing those kinds of styles coming back around. And that's something lighter, drinkable. You know, that is one beer that if you don't want a bunch of hops or, or a big barrel aged wine, barrel aged stout, and that, Kolsch is. You know, easy to drink with yeah. anything. So, yeah, I, I feel like you know you're going to have trends or fads, you know, what do you want to call it, that, that come up every now and then. But you know, I, I myself, you know, I'm drinking a pilsner right now. It's like, oh my gosh, this is just this is so nice. And I, you know, I've, I've had so many hazy IPAs recently that you know we've, we've got our Victor back on for the first time in a couple of few years. You know, more of the the West That's Coast the style IPA. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I've missed this beer. You know, and not that I don't, I, I actually I kind of like the hazy IPAs. Yeah, uh, but 
you know. But there's, there's some, some nostalgia there's for yeah. for you yeah. know us, I us think old guys. The classic styles are always <laughs> going to be there, and you're gonna you're gonna gravitate back to those. We're hearing yeah. that a lot though with the West Coast IPAs. There is still a lot of people that that really want that. Definitely. You know, oh, for yeah. me, I love the trend of the Northeast IPAs because I don't care for that bitterness of the West Coast beer. So right. when we started the show January 2016. I don't. I said I don't like IPAs. Aaron said I don't like sours, and we've both kind of come to <laughs> yeah, the center right. on this now. Now I still don't like the real bitter ones, uh, but I really like a northeast style. And I've noticed in the in the South, or I'll say more the Atlanta area, a lot of breweries will say this is a northeast IPA, but I find it to be more of a hybrid, kind of an east-west. There's still that West Coast, you know, backbone bitterness. Maybe it's hard for them to just step away from what they know there. You know, they bring in that haze and they bring in the tropical fruit, but it still has it there. And it's not bad if the level's right. It can still right. be a tasty beer, but, no, you guys can have the West Coast IPAs. I'll be... I'll take them. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm I right do there like too. the hazies You're as equal well. opportunity, honestly. I am, it's all yes. Over the I'll though. go either way with that. I, in terms of drinkability and, and uh, a resurgence of something, i gotta I got to give you a shout-out for the uh, the various ESBs. The, uh, you got oh, a, yeah. a, an oak-aged one. You've got a regular... Uh, English bitter on on the menu right now, and those those are nice. I'm so glad Thanks. to see those. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're going to take a quick break right now. You can follow us on Instagram at Beer Guys Radio. Coming back, we'll talk more with Bob Sanders from Wrecking Bar Brew Pub in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be back right after this. Well, if you're looking to open a brewery or brew pub in the Atlanta area, you need to take a look at the park at Georgetown. This unique community will feature a collection of restaurants along with a craft brewery located within the new JW Homes luxury development Dunwoody Green. Conveniently located less than a half a mile from I-285, this enclave of restaurants will be the gathering place in Dunwoody. Whether meeting old friends or making new ones, the park at Georgetown will be the place to share a great meal and to build lasting memories. If you're planning to open a brewery or a brew pub, the park at Georgetown may be your new home. Crim and Associates, the developer of the park at Georgetown, wants to talk to you. For more information, call Stephen St. Paul at 404-256-2960, extension 5. That's Stephen St. Paul. 404-256-2960, extension 5, the park at Georgetown in Dunwoody Green. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Roger, Roger. What's our back there, Victor? Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. And welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, and be sure to leave us a review. We're at Wrecking Bar Brew Pub in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're talking with Bob Sandage. We're drinking his beer. I got an oak-aged ESB right now, right, Bob? That's right, yeah. This is fantastic. This is so good. These, Thank these you. beers coming back. So I want to talk to you some more about beer laws, though. And we did this, and for our, our folks not in Atlanta, we mm-hmm. hope you find it interesting, the beer law stuff, but uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, things have changed. Uh, you know, Over the last couple years, we had uh, a little bit of change uh, where breweries could do a little bit of direct sales, air quotes there, because right. it was actually selling tours selling and giving away tour. souvenirs. Then they got rid of that. You can do some sales. You can package here at your brew pub now. And That's you've right. And done a few can releases. Uh, but we're still not there yet, are we? Not not all the way. I think there's a, a lot of room for growth in Georgia. 
You know, I think, but right. this is the first step where now breweries can actually make some money out of their out of their tap room, and brew pubs can sell beer to go, as well. So it's um, it's just the, the the first step. So what else needs to happen? Where do we need to head to make things well it's, truly and, great in you know, Georgia? Going on going on on the radio and saying this, it's like you know makes me a little scared. But you be, know, because okay. you know, the, the wholesalers be out cautious. there, cautious. Yeah, that's you know, right. I think uh, one of the things that eventually will happen is is uh, self distribution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 almost like one of those word the the terms that makes you kind of cringe a little bit because the wholesalers have been doing this for. 80 years and there it, it scares them i can see how it would sure i but, understand it right you know, yeah and and uh i think that there's ways that in, in georgia that we can put limits in place maybe not quite like there are in north carolina or other states but you know once, once you're a brewery a brewery that's you know five thousand or ten thousand barrels a year you probably don't want to have trucks and drivers and insurance for all those and accounting exactly for taxes in every county of georgia and all that so but there's somewhere under that 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 the breweries in georgia you know they can make money, you know, by just you know selling directly to to a retailer, and uh, you know honestly the distributor probably doesn't want to worry about the guy so much that's selling you know five hundred or a thousand barrels right. a year. Yeah, and, that, and that's something I've actually talked to brewers who have said we're small guys and we got to these distributors and some of them don't want anything to do with us. We're yeah. too right. small for them to right. mess with right now. So yeah. you kind of have to prove be... yourself first, and then at sure. that point, then, and, all right. Yeah, and even got... if your capacity is the same way, I'm like, you know, what? why shouldn't you be able to deliver a couple of six tolls up to Gwinnett County? It's not, you know, right. You know, they don't want to deal with that. The distributors don't, but uh, something that you guys can, can handle pretty quickly on your yeah, own. Yeah, we but do it, maybe a dozen festivals a year, too, where exactly. it's, it's the, the hoops we have to jump through to make that happen. And the, the wholesalers don't want to they don't want to deliver one one cask is sure. for a charity you know it's a big headache yeah. you know it is a headache. right and and that's something i see just like we talked about before we got direct sales and and we're seeing it here we're seeing the benefits of this you allow some direct sales a small brewery is more feasible to open up right they can make more money which ultimately means they grow and puts more breweries into distribution so you know there i don't even know if there was a an initial pinch on the wholesalers i'm not sure on that i bet the the guild is looking at it all, making mm-hmm. sure to analyze that data. But uh, it just seemed like it'd be a good move to do that. And I kind of see the same thing with limited self-distribution. I understand the distributor's point. They have to protect their business, understandably. But if a small brewery, if a guy doing 500 barrels a year can take some of that out to the guys in his neighborhood, you know, yeah. it helps him out, gets the brewery's name out, and, again, will hopefully help him to grow quicker. And uh, get to that distributor because he doesn't want a fleet of trucks exactly. to do that. So, yeah. you don't want wrecking bar distribution, do you? That's uh, farm no. bar brew pub trucking no. logistics. No, I'm, I'm wrecking logistics. Yes, <laughs> there you exactly. go. We're only about a thousand barrels a year, distributing about yeah. a quarter of that, and I don't want to have to handle trucks and drivers and all that. Exactly right. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, the beers again. Um, I'm having one of your victors, which is the, uh, kind of an old school IPA. Um, you know, you've had, you've been very popular, like we said before, uh, talking about Mecton Siberius Maximus, only releasing it once uh, once a, once a month, basically. Um, how has the popularity of your can releases that you've been doing now changed things here at the brew pub? Oh, it's it's been huge. We uh, we did our first can release in October, uh, actually September, kind of gearing up with the collaborating with the Porter for their anniversary, and so we we officially didn't sell the cans. People, you know, had a ticket from the the That's Porter. Right. Right. And uh, but it was still it was still very exciting to have people coming in and, and get cans that we had, you know, labored to make that beer put yeah. in the can, and then we did our first uh, real can releases in November, and those went great. We've done several since, 
the last one we did, we tried something different. We went uh, for an 8 p.m. release instead of say the typical Friday at noon or something like that. And it went, it went, it was amazing. We we spent about a day and a half canning up about 60 cases of beer and uh, sold it almost all of it within an hour. <laughs> yeah, and that's something I was going to mention. The timing of the releases. There's people that say, and I've seen this. It's hilarious when you follow the beer discussion forums or the Facebook beer groups and that. You do a release on a Saturday at noon, and there's a handful of people that say, why are you always doing them on a weekend? Not, a, not all of us can make a weekend release. You know, you do a uh, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Why are you doing this during the week? You know, so, yeah. but, but that's the thing. If you mix it up, then everybody gets a chance. You yeah, know, you're going to hear that. Like you know, that. I, I, you're, you're never going to make everybody happy. You know, right. and, and I think overall... I feel like like yeah, we'll, we'll still continue to mix it up. We'll we'll just do some nighttime releases. We'll do some weekends or Friday afternoons. Uh, but our our goal really we're we're working towards having additional capacity so we can can up more beer, and so that we have kind of our some of our staple beers available all the time. You have a, a cooler out in the beer garden that has Kolsch and Alt and, okay. and stuff like that. But then you know we'll do probably two or three releases a month where we have a larger quantity of IPA and you know the. The kids' milkshake IPAs and stuff yeah. like that. Hang in the beer garden and get you a tall boy of some Breaking Bob, right? That's right. Just kick back That's and right. take it easy. So Now, I can't make any of the releases. So when self-distribution comes along, will you do delivery to Woodstock? Can I get? Can you self-distribute just like one four-pack to my house? Well, that's something that, that the Guild, uh, especially Nancy Palmer, is working on. Uh, Good. She's, she's been active. And I think there's a lot of larger interests, you know, like the – the, the grocery stores and Amazon are, are yes. and there's several other states that allow beer to be delivered to a consumer but so far in Georgia that's that's not not in Georgia that's not happening but I now saw, you're getting a lot of people with lobbyists with a lot bigger money than the the brewers guild the, the Amazon drone is just make beer deliveries and just, just drop down right. that would be fantastic yes. I'd be I'd be flattered that Nancy is working on getting Distribution to directly house. to Tim's house. Yes, yes. That's thank you, Nancy you Palmer. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Nancy in a little bit. We Some are cool exactly. stuff happened Definitely. for Nancy. Absolutely, so, definitely. So moving on with your beers, I started off with your "Where Have All the Cloud Boys Gone," which is a Northeast IPA. We talked about that a little bit. Um, these hazy IPAs, Bob. What's your thoughts on them? Are you a fan? You know, I uh, Neil and I went to the the Hop School at, up in Yakima last last year, and they had a beer that had exactly the same malt and, and, and hop profile. The only thing they changed was they add a little bit of uh, wheat and oat to the, the hazy IPA. And, you know, closing your eyes and smelling and tasting them, I, I actually preferred the, uh, the the hop flavor components of the, the hazy IPA. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I also, like I was, I was talking with Aaron just a little bit ago, like came back to the Victor IPA. I was like, oh, I miss this, this West, more of this West Coast traditional IPA. So I... You know, I don't. I'm not necessarily saying it's a fad. I know that the the Brewers Association has came out with their guidelines that it's now an official recognized right. style. So they usually don't do that lightly. You know, so it's probably here to stay. Yeah. But I think you know, there's there's some people that are not making them the best. You know, it's a, it's not supposed it's a, to. It's trendy. It's not supposed so to be, it's not supposed to be a yeast bomb. You right. Know? right. Uh, <laughs> you know, you do it right. It's it's going to have you know the 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 proteins from the additional the, the wheat and the oats are going to kind of keep your your hops in suspension it's you know it gives you the more the, the flavor and aroma components and there's there is a difference in a hazy ipa and like a murky cloudy beer that's and true you can tell looking at it the kind of the tint the o- opacity i think would yes. be the right term right sure. right oh, no, yes you yes, cool with right. that aaron i'm you good, good with that, with that? okay that, yes. all right so so there is a different look and i've seen some places and 
you know, I love all the Georgia brewers. I've said this all the time, but I've seen some pictures out there where I'm like, that's just a murky beer. Right. Yeah. You know, that's just that's just not brewed well. And uh, you see some of the old school brewers that say that are still Owen Ogletree. Oh yes, our, our our good friend Owen Ogletree. He's not. He doesn't like these. No, he doesn't. He's hazy guy. There's a, there's a lot of traditional brewers that that sure they're not crazy because everybody's been taught you clear these beer you clear your yeah. beer up right exactly yeah. that's right. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break right now. You listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Beer Guys Radio. We'll be back talking more with Bob Sandage from Wrecking Bar Brew Pub in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be back right after this. Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel-aged, hoppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their taproom in Marietta to taste and see. Also, visit their barrel room with an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. We are Reformation Brewery, celebrating the reformer in you. Locally crafted within the renowned Etowah watershed of Woodstock, Georgia, Reformation creates yeast-forward brews full of aroma and flavor crafted to last. Come see us in beautiful Woodstock, Georgia, for a tour and tasting of unique brews that you can't find anywhere else. Reformation Brewery, set beer free. ReformationBrewery.com follow the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram i believe you have my stapler now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show follow us on the socials beer guys radio on facebook twitter and instagram we're at atlanta's wrecking bar brew pub talking with owner and brewmaster emeritus bob sandich Bob, we're having some good conversations exactly. here. I want to be named Emeritus one of these days, We though. were talking about uh, Cloud Boys. Yes. We were talking about Cloud Boys, haziness. We were talking about hazy IPAs and all that. And, Bob, we talked a little bit during the break, as we do sometimes, yes. about hops, yeast, biotransformation. That's right. So, and that's big stuff. I've heard it uh, buzz around a little bit, but this beer was the first one that you've done this with, correct? Yes, the first one we've done is where you add the, uh, the essentially what you're doing with your dry hops, you're adding them during the fermentation, whereas you would have added it after fermentation previously. And so, I, I did a little test last week where, you know, we've got one that was dry hopped after fermentation, and you compare the two, and you get much more flavor compounds in the, the biotransformation process. So, Any- all those... It's cool. Any idea why that is? What's going on there? Yeah, I think I think just the the, the you know at that point it's 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 warmer. The the yeast is is uh, you know able to, to react with the hops. You know, I think some of the the myrcene compounds. You know, you're getting more of those flavors of it extracted into the beer. And uh, you know, one of our concerns we're getting a little technical, but if you want to reuse that yeast, now that yeast probably tastes like. Okay. The certain, hops certain hops in there. Yeah, certain yeah, right? hop that All right. you, you use have, for that. Have beer, you tried so. reusing that yeast yet? Because that could be cool. Not not yet. Okay. But that's something that we're you know, we're talking about. Like well our Pilsner tastes like a well probably wouldn't use that particular yeast, but would a, another beer taste like that interesting that particular hop. Pilsner might be a good one to, to brew after that to see what it imparts to it there. So that's right. we had Stan Hieronymus on yeah. uh, a few weeks ago and we right. got a little technical about things the way hops are and you know, home brewers, and I think a lot of commercial brewers, really smaller ones, don't look at all the aspects of what's in hops. You know, we talk about alpha acids and 
Cocumulin, a lot of them have mm-hmm. mentioned, or a few have mentioned. Linerlol and yes, but there's a lot more going on there that you can look at to get right. where you want to go there. So, and this is another venture in that direction, Aaron. Yeah, definitely. It's that's a, where it's headed. Way man. above my head with pay grade. That's yeah. all that I know. So the next, I don't know if evolution is the right word uh, of hazy IPAs. We go to the milkshake, and you you've done some milkshake IPAs. They're tasty. You know, a little creaminess from lactose, the fruitiness, the hops in there. But has science gone too far, Bob? Has it gone too far? So if we get something that's just a fruit smoothie in a glass with a little alcohol, is that still an IPA? You're right. You get to a point where it's a fruit smoothie with a little bit of uh, beer in it. It's still going to sell. But yeah. it's, at that point, it's, it's to me, it's really not beer. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. I think that's probably that's probably more of a fad. But Or something that will be a certain part of your, your demographic that... You know, would rather have the the Dacker machine going. Yes. You know, like we and ta- and there's I nothing wrong with that, but it's just not it's not beer at that point. Well, that's milkshake IPA daiquiris are actually coming soon to Wrecking Bar. Is that right? <laughs> the, the, the machine spinning on the bar. Uh, there? Probably not. No, probably not. No, okay, no, good. So, yeah. so people who say they don't like beer, I, how could you say as a blanket statement you don't like beer when you have milkshake IPAs? Well, they probably drink that and they would say, well, that's not a beer. That's yeah, probably you know, true. That's not it's a malt beverage. So and different. I do enjoy them, but again, and I mentioned I tried one at a popular spot. It was delicious. You know, very ar- very dream sickly, very orangey in that. But it was probably a week later I was just driving around thinking about beer, as I do. I daydream oh, about yeah. beer. So <laughs> That's good. Uh, but I thought, I'm like, man, I'm not even sure I'd classify that as a beer. Hmm. It was just too far out there. So, right. and, and again, that does seem like something that's a fad. And some people call the Northeast IPA a fad. And, and I never really thought it was. It just seemed like just a little different direction there. You know, a little hazy. There's a little yeah, more mouth. I don't think the Northeast IPA is a fad. Yeah. And I think, you know, people will improve on how they do that. But I think I think once you venture into the more the milk milkshake, adding lactose, and then, then once you start adding crazy amounts of fruit to it. Right. You know, that's, that's maybe, it's either a fad or something will be a, a very small part of the demographic that likes that. Is there another, how long have you been brewing, Bob? I've been versus 1992. So, okay, 25 years plus yeah, then, 26 right. years. Is there anything else you remember from the past that you thought that's just a fad that hung on? Originally, I thought sour beers might be a fad, okay. but, but yeah. they're they're here to stay. You know, and yeah. I, after taking a trip to Belgium four or five years ago, it was uh, pretty apparent that you know we've we're still in our infancy stages here in the U.S. As far as you know, the, the sour. They've got about four hundred years on us, I guess. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait till yep. you get a load of sour milkshakes. That's the sour milk. Sour milkshake. I guarantee milk there's easy. one out there. Yeah, so. it's got to be a real. Is place. that so? Where's the souring come in? In the milk, actually. It could sour it could milk? Okay, be spoiled milk. That's yes. gross. Right. Okay. I will interject real quick that like when we were at Hansen's in Belgium, there's an old family sour brewery that uh, they were sour beer was almost dead, and the American interest in that I has actually. That. You know, has caused a resurgence yeah. in their production. I heard that Cantillon was about to, to go out of business at one point. And, you know, we actually talked about this, I think, a week or two ago, but we talked to Dan Shelton about bringing Cantillon and that over here. And right. it was not popular at first, but he kept pushing it because he's like, I know this is good. And it took off, and America rebirthed Belgium's sour beer, lambic, yeah. and goose industry. Right. Right? Isn't that crazy? Definitely. Well, speaking of, you know, kind of uh, transitioning into that, you've got a lot of festivals that you hear at Breaking Bar. Of course, Strong Beer Fest, one of my favorite festivals uh, all year long. Uh, definitely take Uber for that one. But uh, but you've also got, of course, the Wild Beer Fest uh, coming up, too. Uh, why do you guys have so many festivals around here? Uh, what's, uh, what's the purpose of that for you guys? You know, I think just uh, try to promote. We're, I'm big into promoting Georgia beer, you know, and I think our Strong Beer Fest and our Wild Beer Fest, we – 90% plus showcase Georgia beer, you know, and I think I couldn't have done that five or six years ago, but now, you know, I almost have to turn turn people down. I can't take all the beers that we get just, right. you know, for, for space limitations, and that wasn't something I had to do five years ago. Georgia beer's really progressed, uh, and I just, I think, you know, there's strong beer, 
know, there's so many nuances. You, you, whether it's Belgian strong beers or Imperial Stouts or Devil IPAs, there's there's so many. And then, yeah, we're getting to the point where there's there's a lot of complexities in the, in the sour and wild ales too. You know, I I love the the lambics. You know, the traditional mm-hmm. stuff this age. I, I want to see Georgia beer go there, where now we have more of three, two, three, four year age beers. Well, yeah, the industry you know? is so young. You know, we're just finally now right. getting to the point where you can get yep. two, three, four year old uh, age beers that are they're coming through. There's a lot of traditional brewers that don't agree with kettle sours. I, I feel that's that's a, like a, a necessary, that's a stepping stone. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're, you're people that, that want their you know, traditionally wine drinkers. Yeah, exactly. You know, they like the kettle sours. Yeah. And that's and, and I love those kettle sours for what they are. I don't consider a kettle soured beer the same as a lambic or a no. goose or American wild no. ale, but I enjoy them both for what they are. There. Right. Yeah, so definitely awesome. Bob, thank you so much for talking to us today and enjoying your great beers, opening your space to us here. Good luck with Wrecking Bar and the barn. I need to get out and see the barn. I haven't been out there yet. Please so do. Yeah, let me know. Barns and, are good. Uh, Absolutely. We appreciate it. So, <laughs> Thanks. Aaron, you've got an update for us. You were at CBC this week, so yes. uh, tell us all about that. Yes, I was away in Nashville. The Craft Brewers Convention, or Craft Brewer Conference, actually, uh, was held uh, here. One of the big news uh, that we had, actually, has a Georgia background. Uh, Nancy Palmer uh, from the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. She is the first woman to win the FX Matt Award, Defense of the Industry Award. She has uh, helped to really spearhead the efforts of the brewers in Georgia to come to an agreement with the state's wholesalers to allow for pint package and food sales at breweries. And, of course, this has uh, helped to really, really grow the industry uh, in the state like we talked with uh, with Bob before here. So, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of things going on in Georgia Beer. And, again, congratulations to Nancy Palmer, uh, the first woman to win that award. That's uh, That was a kind of a really big honor for her. So, yeah, kudos. That, that was great. And, uh, you know, uh, got to talk a little bit to the uh, Brewers Association themselves. There have been a slowdown of brewery openings over the past year, but that's kind of more because of the increasing numbers of brewery in the country, breweries in the country. So a 5% growth rate, which is, uh, again, slowed down from what it was before. However, the actual number of breweries opening in 2017 was the highest ever at 997. However, on the flip side, there was also a record number of brewery closings at 165. So, uh, you know, kind of take the good, good to take the bad. You're kind of maturing in this industry. So you're seeing a lot of openings, but you're also seeing a lot of closings as well. They do expect to see that to grow as that, uh, as that happens, too. Uh, also, a little bit of concern about oversaturation in some markets. Uh, some folks uh, were talked about that. But interesting to note, the vast majority of breweries are very small and are focused on just one particular market or neighborhood. In fact, according to the Brewers Association, 75% of the breweries out there make just one percent of the beer so the vast majority of, of breweries out there are just the what we call nano breweries very small breweries serving their their local community very very few uh, regional or, or, or just uh, uh, breweries that are kind of serving the whole state or, or actually multiple states as well so hyper local so, yes so the brewers association had some concerns about oversaturation or brewers brewers in general and some folks in the media uh, were talking about that so when they kind of addressed it because of saying that uh, again it was interesting to note that yeah 75 percent of the brewers just make one percent yeah beer. that's i was on the conference call they did uh, when they released statistics there yep. and they reiterated many times we're not we're not really looking at a bubble burst it's just maturation of the market yeah. and some market correction here and there will be some we'll see more fall off it's going to happen we will and I think the hyper localization really is a trend and that's what Absolutely. they were talking about too so yeah you get finally uh, really kind of the goals of the Brewers Association this year uh, are to get more brewers to use the certified independent label in fact um, over half of the uh, uh, craft brewers in the country are using it about 3300 uh, they want to elevate the profile of beer among the culinary industry increase diversity and of course make the tax cuts permanent uh, 71 million dollars so far saved because of tax cuts to the breweries this year but 
it's only a two-year tax. So we urge people to uh, be uh, basically aware of that and, and talk to your congressman to make those tax cuts permanent. So, yeah, and so also for the World Beer Cup, uh, we're going to post that on our website at beerguysradio.com. So if you're interested, more than 8,100 entries in the World Beer Cup this year, which is the most ever. So, uh, again, we'll post those on beerguysradio.com and uh, let you know. Very you cool. Yeah. I hate that I missed CBC, but it sounds like you made the rounds up there, Good. huh? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thanks for the update. Bob, again, thank you so much for joining us. That's going to do welcome. it for this week's episode of Beer Guys Radio. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking with Alabama's Trim Tab Brewing. We'll have Harris Stewart joining us. There's no word yet whether DJ Sex Panther is going to make an appearance. Oh, yeah. We hope so, though. We hope so. So remember, please subscribe to Beer Guys Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to leave us a review and let us know what you think. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang.